Previously on Funny Science Fiction. Was that your secret mission? <laughs> well, I failed. <laughs> yes! Hello and welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast, where the Bogons come for poetry inspiration. <laughs> Our guest today is the New York Times best-selling author, Steve Alton. Welcome to the show, Steve. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being on. Yeah, now you guys should know Steve from his list of international best-selling books, including The Meg, which was turned into a major motion picture starring Jason Statham. And if you liked The Meg, get ready for the sequel, which we understand is now in pre-production. And I have it on good authority that the title of the movie will not be Meg 2 Electric Boogaloo. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah, I'm pretty sure that won't be it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Now, what he does have is a new 13-episode web TV series called Where Sea Monsters Roam. And we're going to talk about that in, uh, more in just a minute or three. Again, Steve, thanks for joining us. We're so glad to have you here today. I appreciate being here. Yeah, so as a kid, I remember watching the movie Jaws. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, for the longest time, I was, I was afraid to get in the tub. Okay, I was pretty sure that something in that water was going to bite me. Now, clearly, The Meg and Jaws are two very, very different movies, but they share one similar concept, in, in my opinion. The worry for the swimmers in the water. <laughs> you know, you look up with especially those underwater shots and you see the people just relaxing on those inner tubes and you just know that they're shark bait. <laughs> now, at any point, were you tempted to use or have a character use the infamous line from the movie Jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> no, I didn't go for that, but uh, it always amazed me whether it was the Meg movie or Jaws, how, why everyone swims in like 50 feet of water. Yeah. Right? <laughs> when I go to the, I go to the shore, I go where the waves are, you know, cresting and then if my feet aren't touching the ground, I'm out too far. That's right. <laughs> they always see you always see them kicking and you know doggy paddling and, and treading water in this ridiculous deep water. I mean, why would you go out that deep? It seemed. I always thought that was kind of interesting myself. That just seemed like you were asking for some type of nibble. I don't like going in the deep end of a pool. Right? I can't see the bottom. I'm not in it. <laughs> Well, that's a short pool, so. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what may, many people may not know about you, Steve, is that you hold a doctorate from Temple University in Sports Administration, along with a couple of other degrees from other fine institutions of learning. So should we be calling you Dr. Alton? Or better yet, what attracted you to writing novels about prehistoric creatures instead of working somewhere in your chosen educated field? Well, it's like this, I uh, dreamed about playing basketball uh, professionally until I finally woke up and realized I'm a slow white Jewish guy <laughs> and I've taken it about as far as I could take it. I played in high school. I uh, made it played in uh, Penn State Ogons, which was a branch campus back in 77 or 78, 79. And then went up to the main campus, tried out for the team, didn't make it. Uh, but I decided I wanted to get into coaching. So um, I went on to get my master's degree at the University of Delaware on a grad assistantship. And they actually paid my tuition, right. gave me a small stipend, and I got to coach the JV basketball team and assist the varsity. That's right. great. And a really great experience. And so when I got after I got the masters, I figured, okay, what if I go on for four more years and get a doctorate degree 
as an excuse to sort of backdoor my way into John Cheney's program. And he's, uh, he wasn't at the time, but he became a Hall of Fame basketball coach in Philadelphia. Yeah. And then I would teach class as part of my assistantship from about eight o'clock in the morning till about two in the afternoon. And then I'd sleep in my office. I, I brought a, a, a mattress in and would sleep for a few hours before I took classes for my degree. So that was quite a long schedule. I wouldn't get out of there until about 10, 30, 11 at night. Oh, wow. Did that for about three years until finally um, I had to get a real job while I was writing my, dis my dissertation uh -huh. and uh, got involved in um, selling these whole house water treatment systems. Right. I hated it like poison. Yeah. <laughs> but then I figured out how to do it. I realized that selling isn't doing something to somebody, it's doing something for somebody. Right. And I was really helping them out. Basically, to answer your question, that was a kind of a long-winded way to answer it. No, it's okay. It's all right. Then, That's okay. We got time. <laughs> got the whole story here. So yeah. I found myself working for myself and was basically, after three degrees in 10th straight years of college, found myself cold calling on a one-call close for a $4,000 water treatment system, knocking door to door, and was miserable. And then in, in August of 1995, I got the mail and in the mail was a Time magazine and on the front cover was an angler fish. And the article talked about how prior to 1977, uh, scientists didn't believe that there was life at the bottom of the ocean without photosynthesis, without sunlight. How could there right. be? Right, right. Then we actually built the submersible called the Alvin, wow. went down to the bottom of the ocean and lo and behold, there's hydrothermal vents and there's sea creatures right. and a whole different way of processing energy. So you had photosynthesis as opposed to, I'm sorry, chemosynthesis as opposed to photosynthesis. Right. And the article also talked about the deepest part of the ocean, which was the Mariana Trench. Yep. And when I read that part, something clicked in my head and I said, what was that shark I used to read about when, after I read Jaws, I read all the shark attack stories. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I went to the library to figure out what it was. We had no internet back then in 95 saw the picture of the Smithsonian of the big jaws with the Megalodon yeah. and started doing some basic research, realized there was nothing out there at all about Megs at that point. Nobody even called them Megs, just me. Right. And I uh, said, made up my uh, set a goal that I was going to work on the book. Uh, since I already had a job where I was knocking door to door, I had to work on the book from about 11 o'clock at night till three in the morning and on weekends. Wow. You know, I set my mind to something, I'm gonna do it. That's cool. That's wow, really that, that's quite well, a, quite a long, long involved process, but you got it done. And that's that's great. Yeah, glad it worked out in the end there for you. Nice movie that, so for it too. Yeah. Glad it worked out for us, I should say, because yeah, right? <laughs> we got to watch it. So exactly, we didn't get deprived of it. <laughs> yeah. So um, also here, Steve, we we took a look around, and I spent a little time wandering around the Sea Monster Cove website, which is kind of a big deal. And uh, I have to tell you, man, that's that looks pretty dang cool. Yeah. I uh, I spent I spent a good portion of time there. Now, can uh, you tell our listeners a little more about the website, the island, and anything they may need to know about it? And, and most importantly, why they should become members of SeaMonsterCove.com. Sometime in December, I was going through a tough time. I've, I've got Parkinson's, which is part of the downs of the last uh, 15 to 20 years, and. But um, I woke up one morning with a clear mind and uh, had an idea for a story that was um, 
sort of went back into the prehistoric shark and, and sea monster area of which I'm, you know, pretty well suited. But yeah. it was a completely different universe than Meg. I realized this is a really cool story, but I don't want to just, I don't want to make it a novel because novels are tough. Uh, you know, you write for, it takes me a year, year and a half to write a novel, and then I got to go out and sell it. I realized that I didn't want this to be a novel. I wanted this to be a TV series. But more than that, what I really wanted was, as a fan of the, these creatures, I wanted to go see them myself. I wanted to go to an aquarium, and I wanted to see these things swim by and gawk at them and, and enjoy that. And, and well, how am I going to make that happen? So I talked to my assistant about it, and she thought it was a great idea. And so we decided that, okay, let's see if we can really make this thing into something different. A website that is interactive that you go to, you can get away from your problems, check out for a couple hours, and just play with the play with the critters. Nice. And you know, let's put you in a cage and lower you, in, you know, <laughs> we'll lower you into the domain, and let them scare the crap out of you. That they do. <laughs> and in addition really to that, we'll also host a TV series. We'll also get a video game started. Uh, we'll make it. We'll have an educational site which I'm very big on through my Adopt an Author program. And we'll also set up a private library where you can read any of my books, only we're going to expand the books, make them something special, where because we're able to create a, make them into an actual PDF file, mm -hmm. uh, we can add color illustrations and color photos and things like that, and really enhance the novel so it's much more visual. Yeah, so we launched the site at the end of August and, um, the story that I came up with runs through everything. It runs through the visitation, the um, the aquarium visits. It runs through the TV series. It runs through the video game. So that's the common link that everything sort of falls okay. around this hub. And I'm just you have gonna, a picture. You we're going to bring up a page or something of the cove. Yeah. With a click of your mouse, will transport you to a five-star island paradise where you can spend endless hours visiting the most advanced aquariums ever designed, harboring the most terrifying prehistoric sea creatures in our planet's history. You can watch them from the safety of an observation deck, or for the ultimate experience, we'll serve you up in a cage and lower you into their domain where you can get better acquainted. After your cage experience, you'll probably need a few uninterrupted hours of peace and quiet. No worries, we went ahead and reserved a private suite for you at the Black Demon Inn, one of our two five-star luxury hotels. Every suite backs up to the aquarium where we keep our star attraction, Snowflake, our 63-foot, 50,000-pound prehistoric albino mako shark. And only members of SeaMonsterCove.com will have access to watch our brand new original web TV series, Where Sea Monsters Roam, written and produced by Steve Alton, author and creator of The Meg. 
all you gamers are gonna love playing the Sea Monsters Roam video game where you must hunt and capture these toothy creatures of the deep in the ancient aquifer that has kept them alive. You can even compete against other members to determine who the real apex predators are in the group. After you've had enough adrenaline for the day, stop by our prehistoric shark museum where you can learn more about the toothy creatures you just caught with our on-site curator, Keith Cowley. And be sure to check out our private library, the only place in the world where you can enjoy color-enhanced versions of any Steve Alton thriller. We even offer curriculum materials to teachers and parents interested in setting up distance learning programs. By now, you're probably wondering how much all of this is gonna cost you. That's the best news of all, VIP. All-inclusive memberships are only $9.95 a month. Yes, that includes everything. Unlimited 24-7 park access, the video game, educational programs, Steve Alton's private library of books and scripts, the original web TV series, and so much more. All for less than what a movie ticket used to cost. Young children, no worries. We offer a PG-13 membership option for the kids. Escape the 2020 blues at www.cmonstercove.com. No prehistoric sharks or sea monsters were harmed during the making of this video. I don't know if you follow real life shark news, um, but recently in the Atlantic off Nova Scotia in uh, Canada, they had tagged the biggest great white shark ever spotted in that area. They named her Nakumi. She was apparently 50 years old, 17 foot, 3,541 pounds, uh, nicknamed Queen of the Ocean. So when her expedition leader, Chris Fisher, said it was really humbling to stand next to a large animal like that. I was wondering in your research, did you experience any uh, sharks up close and personal yourself? No, the uh, the cage uh, experience on Sea Monster Cove is as close as I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> I have no interest in in um, you know my family seeing uh, the uh, headlines. Uh, Meg author drowns in in uh, great white uh, yeah. encounter. You know, yeah. I was thinking about guppies. You know, guppies are kind of the tribbles of the fish world. They're almost born pregnant and very prolific species. Now, if a Hollywood producer came to you with a, at gunpoint and said, I want your next action thriller and it, it has to involve guppies, how are you going to pitch that? What, you got any ideas right off the top of your head? <laughs> I, I probably pitch it to the police first. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I really enjoy in, uh, you know, action paced movies and books when you have this thriller pacing that sometimes you're able to inject humor into exciting scenes without destroying the pace. Um, I know you've done that sometimes. Is there any uh, tricks or any advice that you have for people when they write to be able to do that effectively? No, I think you either have a sense of humor or you don't. And I like to inject humor into my stories. And, and um, I've got a scene in, in the uh, second episode of uh, Where Sea Monsters Roam where uh, one of the leads is, is um, a uh, marine engineer, and he's uh, struggling with uh, being able to 
create a, a sonar system in the 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 prehistoric the um, uh, the aquifer that that has per, uh, sustained these creatures for the last 300 million years. So he wakes his father up, who's a, who's a much bigger engineer than he is, and um, his his dad, who's played by a friend of mine, uh, is pissed that his son woke him up. But um, you know he he explains that. His son explains that his mother, who his father divorced years ago, is now the CEO of this of Sea Monster Cove, and she's flying in for a big board meeting, and he's nervous as hell because if he doesn't produce, she's going to fire him. Right. And um, you know, his father asks, "Well, how much did her second husband, who just passed away, leave her?" And and his son says, uh, "About two billion dollars." And his father says. Man, in my next life, I'm coming back as an oil executive, right. or or either that or a lumberjack. <laughs> and he starts singing the lumberjack song from Monty Python. <laughs> nice touch. I'm a lumberjack, yeah. I don't care. I'm a lumberjack, and I'm. Uh, I, I couldn't help but <laughs> notice uh, when I was watching your uh, Sea Monster Cove video. I also saw James Murray from one of my favorite shows, Impractical Jokers, in there. <laughs> Great guys. And I immediately thought, okay, Practical Jokers needs to do some sort of punishment involving <laughs> sharks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to see Murr in a shark cage somewhere, even if it's virtual. Well, do uh, you want to see that he's actually in a, a, seat, in a in a little ad for us? Yeah, I did see that ad. Yeah. That, that's why I like that. That's what made me, I got to see him in, in, the, uh, in that. So that's great. So how do we make that happen? How do we get Murr into an actual shark cage? We gotta get, him. We gotta get one of them into. A Little did they know that Murr had already swam with the sharks. Well, he's we'll, we'll let you work on that. He's pretty close to the ad. He gets attacked. So I know Gosh, that was pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. Hey everybody, this is Murr from the TV show Impractical Jokers. I'm so excited. I'm here spending my vacation at Sea Monster Cove. This is so exciting. I'm dear friends with Steve Alton. He invited me personally to come down today. And uh, you know, back in the day, I mean, way back, Steve and I used to play pranks together and like. The 80s and 90s is a great one. Anyways, I'm here in the Devonian sphere. This is awesome, man. Look at this. I can't wait to like see a fish or something. What the hell? Is that real? That's not real. Are you kidding me? That's a big piranha. That's a Steve. Steve, is this double pane glass? Because I saw Jaws 3D and it wasn't then. I tell you what. Come on down to the cove. Come on down to the cove as soon as you can, hang out for like a minute or two, but for now, I'm gonna go back to my room and order room service. Wait. <laughs> That's right behind me. That good. Yeah, very good. That was awesome. So, um, yeah, so some really cool stuff, guys, on seamonstercove.com. Uh, Steve's got some amazing content there uh, for us all to watch. Only $9.95 a month for less than what used to be the cost of a movie ticket. I also liked that line in the advertisement. That was pretty slick. Uh, but uh, we have a little quiz here for you, Steve. A little game we like to play with our, our guests when they come on uh, as we get towards the end of our, our interview. Now, uh, today, our, our topic is about 1980s TV sci-fi. Hopefully, that's something you're decently versed in. We're going to... Game for a little trivia quiz. Yeah. Sure. So, if you get three right, we're going to send you one of our 
neat little I gave to the redshirt widows and orphans mugs. Okay. If you get five right, uh, Drayton's going to send you a copy of his book called Custodians of the Cosmos, which is where the redshirts, widows and orphans fund idea came from. And we're also going to send you the mug as well. So if you get three, you get the mug. If you get five right, you get the mug and the book. If you get less than three, just like in Impractical Jokers, there has to be a punishment. <laughs> so if you get less than three, uh, we're going to take your face and make a meme out of it, something Meg related. Are you okay with that? Do you accept those terms? I'll accept them. Sure. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be good fun. Well, All right. Yeah. It won't, it won't be too horribly painful, just minorly. All right. And we'll start with the hardest question first. Now, this is from 1985-1986 uh, <clears throat> television season. It's about the adventures of a team of misfit superheroes who fight crime for a scientific think tank. So back to 1985, and it starred Dean Paul Martin, Kevin Peter Hall, and a very young Courtney Cox. So that's a multiple choice. So was this TV show called Misfits of Science, Shadow Chasers, or Way Out Space Nuts? Well, none of them ring a bell. I'll go with Misfits. Yep, very good. You got it. Yep, that's it. <laughs> All right. So question two, 1985 from, to 1989. The zany adventures of a suburban family, their next door neighbors, and an innovative robot designed to look like a human child. It stars Richard Christie, Marla Pennington, and Jerry Superian. Was that show called Father Knows Best, Small Wonder, or Starman? No. Um, I'll take another guess and say uh, Starman. Oh. No, that one was actually Small Wonder because of the child. Small Wonder, okay. Yeah, the little child was yeah, a robot. robot girl. So this TV series is from 1986 to 1990. A furry alien wise guy comes to live with the Tanner family after crashing into their garage. Stars Paul Fusco, Max Wright. Would it this be Alf, the powers of Matthew Starr, or Benji Zacks and the Alien Prince? I will go with Alf on that one. Yeah, there you go. Very good. All right. So two out of three, not too bad so far. Yeah. All right. Now this one is a British TV series. I don't know how you are in your Brit TV, but this is from 1988. Faulty Towers. <laughs> 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 show, Solid guess, sir. This is a, well, since we're on the sci-fi though, we got to go with the sci-fi <laughs> show from there. And it's the adventures of the last human alive and his friends stranded three million years into deep space on a mining ship. It starred Chris Berry, Craig Charles, Danny Jean Jules. Was this Voyagers, Smegheads, or Red Dwarf? Voyagers, Smegheads, or, or, or Red, Red Dwarf? Dwarf. <laughs> well, I know Star Trek had Voyagers, so it probably wasn't that, so I'll go with the Smegheads. <laughs> We're going to give you Smegheads. It was actually so Red close, Dwarf, yeah. but they, they called each other Smegheads all the time in the show. <laughs> yeah, we said before we got into this that if you, you guessed Smegheads, you were going to get it no matter what because that was uh, close <laughs> enough. All right, so well, one last question here. Sounds like my fan base Megheads. I'm not sure they're, they're going to like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not going to lie to you. If you hadn't gotten at least three right, you were going to get something. It was going to be something with a smeg head on it. So, okay. All right. So 1982 to 1986, last question. 
A lone crime fighter battles the forces of evil with the help of a virtually indestructible and artificially intelligent supercar. It stars David Hasselhoff and Edward Mulher. Was it called My Brother the Car? That would Mike be Knight Rider. There you go. You got it. Yep. Excellent. All right. You're going to give him the, the auxiliary question, see if he can get five right. He's got four right yeah, right we now. we got an extra question. If you want it, we can, you can get the book. So, Sure. All right. All right. Our auxiliary question. What 1983 TV series featured a man who can change himself into any animal and fights crime? Stars Simon McCork McCorkendale, Melody Anderson. Was this Beastmaster, Manimal, or The Beast Within? That would be Manimal. Yo, you got it. All right. All right. Very good. <laughs> Not too I'll bad, even, sir. I'll even write in it for you. So. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna vandalize the book, I think. Right. Well, thanks a lot. That was fun. That was You're great. A good sport about it. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> So Steve or Dr. Alton, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people go to find more about your books and other works? Well, they can go to stevealton.com or they can go to seamonstercode.com. Great. We'll be sure to place those in our description so people can find you. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. You've wasted another perfectly good hour of your life listening to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. But remember, subscribing is the most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Steve here and lots of funny moments to listen to. Please subscribe and check out Steve's work, too, on his websites. And always feel free to contact us where it all began in our Funny Science Fiction Facebook group on Facebook, oddly enough. It's convenient how that works out. I know, right? How that out? Yeah. And if, remember, if you're not happy with the show's content, just let us know. We'll be sure to subject the offending party to one hour of Vogan poetry per complaint. That'll fix them. That'll yeah. Fix them. <laughs> and as always, be sure to remember, nothing travels faster than the speed of light, with the possible exception of bad news, which obeys its own special laws. That was Douglas Adams. All right. Thank you, everybody. You Thanks, everybody. It would be illogical if we failed to mention our charity, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, because as we all know, in episode 11, just seven minutes and 42 seconds into the show, red-shirted Starship crew members will probably die after being gored by a miniature Unicon K-9 on the planet Alpha-177. This, of course, leaves their poor families with one less number. Please remember our fictional charity, Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, is connected to a very real charity. And your purchase of Red Shirt Widows and Orphan Fund merchandise allows us to donate 100% of profits of sold merchandise to the awesome folks over at Wish Upon a Teen. They help kids have a more comfortable stay in hospitals when their stay becomes extended. Let's not forget to help our neighbors in this time of need. Thank you for listening or watching. Don't forget to subscribe and like us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. If you've enjoyed our podcast, why not come join our Funny Science Fiction Facebook group, too? It's filled with giggle-worthy memes and gags. Visit our website, www.funnysci-fi.com. That's F-U-N-N-Y-S-C-I-F-I.com. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at funny sci-fi, or you can go to draytonallen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, 
Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drake Nellon. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at drakenallen at drakenallen.com.